All right, so this whole month, the sermon series that we're going to be working on is the rising sun. Kind of a cool, uh, cool thought. We're going to keep this the whole this whole month. This whole month, we're going to be talking about the rising sun. Today's sermon title, though, is "You Must Die So You Can Rise." Now, I want you to think for a moment. I just want you to think about that statement: "You must die so you can rise." And I want you to think about the truth that's in this statement. For the resurrection of Christ to happen, there first had to be his death. Right? But what's interesting, and we're going to see today, Jesus also calls us to die. He, we are called, each and every one of us are called to die to our old self. I'm going to show you that as well. So I hope you stick around. This, this could be a good one. <clears throat> could be. So the final week of Jesus' life, there are two things. So we're going to be looking at the final week of his life a little bit. And there's two things that we're continuously pointing towards, or Jesus was constantly pointing to two things, his death and his resurrection. And John chapter 12 launches the final week of Jesus' life. In John, the book of John Ten chapters are devoted to seven days of Jesus' life. Sometimes I had to even kind of remind myself, wow, how much of the book of John spent on one week? Seven days. Final week of Jesus' life. So, so we're, we're going to start, we're going to be in John chapter 12 today, but i just like, wow, ten chapters just to talk about seven days. And you know, those ten chapters were still not enough. When you start thinking about all that Jesus said, all that Jesus said and he did. And here's something that I want you to, 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 if you ever just pick up and you want to go home and say, you know what, where do I read? Maybe the next couple of weeks, start there in John chapter 12 and just go all the way through. And you're going to notice how many times Jesus predicts. He's saying things before they happen. Jesus predicted his own betrayal, even told him who it was. He, he, he told them that he was going to be arrested. He, he, he told them that, he, uh, that, that someone, uh, one of his own was going to deny him. He talks about his death and he talks about his resurrection all before they ever happened. And a lot of times people say, well, Daniel, why are you so sure of your faith? How can you be sure? Has anybody ever heard that question? How can you be sure? Because Jesus said everything before it ever happened. He told every one of them, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen before it ever happened. So, we're going to see one of those instances here today. So, in John chapter 12, okay, the context for today's story takes place shortly after the resurrection of Lazarus. Yes, I said the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus wasn't the first. The resurrection of Lazarus happened in John chapter 11. This happened in Bethany, which is about two miles from, from um, Jerusalem. So it was a very short stint. Jesus is on his way. So he raised Lazarus from the dead. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he raised him from the dead. And now he's heading towards Jerusalem. And it says the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus, so the setting of our story, 
Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, they took the people, the crowd, took palm branches, and they went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed is the King of Israel. That, in brackets, is a quotation from Psalm 118. The people came out shouting scripture as Jesus walked in. This is what's happening. I just want you guys, don't miss the beautiful picture of what happens. And you know what we call the Sunday before Easter? Palm Sunday. So that's in a couple of weeks. I'm talking about it well in advance. But the people come out of Jerusalem shouting Psalms 118. Blessed. Hosanna. Blessed. And you know what the word Hosanna means? Saved. To save us, please. Often they would use that as a, as a statement of, please save us, or save us, please. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. They are calling him a king as he's coming in. Jesus then found a donkey, sat on it, as it was written in Zechariah 9, 9. Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. That was one of the prophecies of how you knew the Messiah was coming, was that the king would ride in on a donkey into Jerusalem. Verse 16, I like this, I underlined it. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. They don't get it. They don't see all the connection. Everything that Jesus did in this last week is like this amazing, like, hey, this was said about it. He's fulfilling Scripture all the way through. And so, at first, the disciples did not get this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him. That everything that Jesus was doing and the things that were happening to him were significant. They were spoken about before they ever happened. When you start thinking about, why do I really believe all of this? Because hundreds and thousands of years before it ever happened, it was told us that it would happen. And it happened exactly how it said it was going to happen. And Jesus did it all. It's amazing. Now, in verse 17, it says this, Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So remember, Jesus, there was a great crowd that heard he was coming, so they go out to meet him, and among that crowd were ones who were with him when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Now I want you to understand this. Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Any, any nurses, how, how long can you go without water? I understand, but if he was, let's say he was alive in the tomb. Can you live four days without water? About three? About three? Right, okay. So I'm, so I'm just wanting you to, to see, he was in a tomb, closed up in a tomb for four days before Jesus arrived. All the people were like, no, don't open that. It's not going to smell very good, right? I mean, that's, that's, so Jesus was there, and what happened is, and I, I want, so Jesus was there, he's dead, four days in a tomb, four days. And I want to I show you something that Jesus said before he raised Lazarus out of the tomb. And see, what, the setting is this, Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, and everybody that saw that couldn't stop talking about it. Wouldn't, 
wouldn't that kind of happen for you, right? If, I mean, if you were there, then you're like, man, I heard Jesus healed some people. You know, is this hocus pocus or is this stuff real? And all of a sudden you show up and there's a guy that's been dead for four days and Jesus speaks into the tomb and the tomb, they roll it away and here comes the guy that was dead for four days. Now he's walking, he's alive. Wouldn't you be saying something too? So what's happening is Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and the whole crowd that was here, that was there in Jerusalem, had heard about all the things that Jesus was doing. And then there was more people who had just seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, and they couldn't stop talking. And now there's a big crowd. Now here's what Jesus said right before he raised Lazarus from the dead. And I love this passage so much. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. They were, they were like, if you would have been here, his sisters, Lazarus' sisters, if you would have been here, you could have healed him. If you would have been here, right? And then Jesus reminds them who he is. Sometimes we need to be reminded who Jesus is. Sometimes when you start thinking about how big your problems are and how, what you're going through and what your financial status is and, and, the, and the sickness that may be in your life or, or the, the, the family turmoil, sometimes we need to remind ourselves who it is that we believe in. Jesus had to tell Mary and Martha. He had to let them know. He had to remind them who he is. They said, if you would have been here, you could have healed him, but now he's dead. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I don't think you guys heard me there. I mean, guys, come on. Now, listen, listen. Mary and Martha sitting there, their brother's dead, four days. They're all grieving. They're sad. The life has been turned upside down for them. If you would have been here, Jesus. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like, man, like right now, Jesus, if, if you... You could have stopped this. You could have done this. God, right now, you know, and we start talking about God as if he's dead. Don't, don't, sometimes, don't, in our problems, we kind of almost look at Jesus as passive. Like, like he's a past tense. Like, you, you know, and, and we forget that we, we worship. We're singing songs about a living God. Not a dead God, a living God. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. He's reminding these sisters who he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And then he goes on and he says, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Now, I love this. See, what Jesus is going to do, we're going to talk about his glorification, what he does on the cross. When you believe in Jesus and you take your last breath here, you wake up in glory. So you're just graduating. See, it's, it, 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 to me, when I look at this, I'm like, this is so amazing. He's saying it doesn't contradict itself. He's, let, he's, he's taking it a whole other level. He says, whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And then he's going to say, I'm taking you deeper. Hold on. Because whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he says, do you believe this? Because here's the deal. You have a loved one, and they're taking their last breath. 
Do you believe that when they take their last breath here on this earth, that they're opening their eyes the very next moment in glory? You either believe it or you don't. You either believe it or you don't. Yesterday, yesterday, you know, we as a, as a family celebrated. I mean, it is a celebration. We grieve and we celebrate. Four years ago yesterday, my, my oldest son, Malachi, died at the age of 14. 7.40 in the morning, he took his last breath. And I was sharing with Barbara one of the things that made my faith only grew stronger through my son's sickness. He passed away at 7.40, but about 7.35, give or take a few minutes in there, now Malachi had brain cancer and it had went all through his spine and he had come home from the hospital and he was on morphine and he did not move. Didn't shake your hand, didn't squeeze, didn't flinch, didn't do anything, just lay there and you're just waiting for him to die. That's all we were doing is sitting there watching and waiting. And moments before he took his last breath, he literally sat up in bed and smiled and then laid right back down and within minutes he was gone. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I know exactly what that is. I know exactly what happened. Everything and every fiber of my body, I knew exactly what happened. This is what happened. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. That's exactly what happened. That's what happened in that moment. He smiled on his last moment here on earth and he laid back down and he just woke up in glory. That's what happened. And you know what, what Jesus is asking these sisters is he goes, do you believe this? And here's the thing, guys. Do you believe this? Do you really believe that Jesus is who he said he is? Because if you do, it changes everything in your life. It changes everything. See, he's either just another guy, or just some guy that talked about a lot of good stuff, or he's the Messiah that everyone waited for for hundreds and thousands of years. He either conquered death or he didn't. There's not a give and take. It's either he did or he didn't. So when Jesus says, do you believe this? That's the question we should answer. Do you believe it? With everything that I am, I do. With everything that I am. And people saw it. See, he said this before he did it. That's what makes it so powerful. Jesus said this to them before he raised, not after, not after he's like, well, I'm going to take a gamble here and I hope it works. And then I'm going to say something really cool. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said all of this. And then he went to the tomb and said, Lazarus, come out. And everyone that was there witnessed it. Guys, this is history. Here's the deal. A lot of people say, well, I don't believe in that stuff. Well, here's the deal. It's a historic fact that there was a guy in that tomb for four days and that's a Fact, historic fact, documented historic fact that when he said, Lazarus, come out, they rolled the tomb and the dude walked out. That's history. Now you're going to have to believe whether he was dead or not, or whether if four days without water he was even healthy enough to get up and walk out, or if there would have been enough oxygen for him to be in a coma for that many days. But I'm wanting you to understand is these are things that happen. And that's why when Jesus walked into Jerusalem, everyone showed up because they wanted to see this guy. 
Because the people who saw him raise somebody from the dead couldn't stop talking about him. Now, I want to ask you something. Let's talk spiritually for a moment. How many of you today would say that you have been raised from the dead spiritually? Give God some praise. Now I'm going to make a big challenge to you. These folks couldn't stop talking about it. And I want to ask you a question. And I'm going to step on some toes right now. When's the last time you talked about the one who raised you from the dead? When's the last time that you've been stirring the pot? When's the last time that you just couldn't stop talking about the name above all names? The name that saved your soul. Because what happens is we get real comfortable talking about church and talking about ministry and we don't spend enough time talking about Jesus. That crowd, Jesus knows how to gather a crowd. And what I love about this church is that we're here because we love Jesus. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. All right, so let's get back to the story. So... Back in uh, Luke or John 12, 18 now, it says, Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign. So remember, all the people who had witnessed the Lazarus, they were all talking. Now many people, because they heard about that. So there's a great number of people talking about Jesus, and more people showed up. So what's going to happen when you start talking about Jesus this week? Huh. Huh, I'm just saying. Isn't that how it should be? When you start talking about how Jesus changed your life, somebody else that needs their life, how many people, how many of you know somebody in your life that you know that needs a touch of Jesus in their life? They need something. Then go talk to them about Jesus this week and let Jesus do the rest. You do the talking. You know how to do that. Many people, because they'd heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look, now the whole world has gone after him. Yes, that's the point. Let's do that. Now there were some Greeks, that means non-Jews. There were some Greeks among them who who uh, went up to the worship at the festival, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Isn't that amazing? They're hearing. So here's the thing. Is they're not Jews. They hadn't been following Jesus around. They're hearing about what Jesus is doing, and they're like, hey, we want to see him. Is there any way that you, we want to see this guy that everybody's talking about? So they, in turn, went and told Jesus, and this is what Jesus said. Catch this. This is awesome. Jesus, now he's, remember that this is, there's a lot of people around. This isn't a closed room. Jesus isn't hiding. He's out in public. And this is what Jesus replied right there in front of everybody. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So they're like, hey, there's some Greeks that want to see you. And Jesus then said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And I started thinking, like, that's a, a weird, like, if I was one of the disciples, I'd be like, uh, so will you see them or not? I mean, that might have been probably my sarcasm a little bit. Like, so what does that mean? He is saying so much right here. I have that effect. Those girls have that. They make me cry all the time too. I'm just saying. Oh, now you're going to start blaming somebody else for holding the child. Okay, real mature. All right, so 
Here's what makes, I want, to make, I want to make sure you understand what's so significant about this. He says, the hour has come. The first thing I want to say is, Jesus had said over and over and over before he showed up to Jerusalem at this moment that his time had not yet come. You guys remember some of those stories where Je- like, Jesus would heal somebody, like, don't tell anybody. My time has not yet come. One time his mom said, hey, I want you to do this. My time hasn't come yet. Then they, so over and over, and I just put three instances there, but there's more times in different ways that he would say, don't tell anybody my time is not yet, my hour's not yet here. And what Jesus is now saying is, listen, my time has come, it's here, it's now, that the Son of Man be glorified. And I want to say, like, what changed? Previously you said your time hasn't come, and something here it is. It's time. Time had changed. There, now we're getting close. It's the beginning of the end. Jesus knows that coming to Jerusalem is going to end in his death. He knows that. He predicted it over and over and over. We're going to Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen. If you, learn, if you start reading at John chapter 12 and you just read all the way to his crucifixion, see how many times he tells them. And that's just one of the four Gospels. See, he says, now it is time for this Jesus to be glorified. So I, the word glorified, Greek is doxozo, is to be exalted, to be lifted up. Now, in Greek, this is passive tense, which means that it's someone else doing it. So he's not glorifying himself, but that to be exalted by another or to be lifted up. So Jesus is not lifting himself up. Someone else is lifting him up. That's what this means. So many times when I see that word glorification or glorified, we immediately jump to the thought of his resurrection, don't we? Like when I think of glory, I think of him raising from the dead. That's the thing I think about. But he's not talking about raising from the dead. He's talking about being raised to the cross. The glorification that he's talking about is his death. Now, you might be sitting here going, that's not what I believe. It's okay. I'm going to show you exactly in Scripture in the following verse. So we're in John 12, 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man. So I'm going to show you what verse 24 says. He is speaking right now. He says, the Son of Man to be glorified. He is speaking right now about his death. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Pretty cool, right? Jesus is, and here's the thing is we're going to learn that he's glorified in both things. But understand that his death is a glorification. You see, I want you to understand that when he's talking, he's using this beautiful, this beautiful symmetry, this picture of a seed. The guys, if you've ever planted a seed, now I'm not, a, I'm not a good gardener, but I've seen my wife plant some seeds in those little, you know, starter thingies. You know, you have all those little, little cups of dirt, and you just start shoving seeds in there. And I, you know, usually it's not, it's more than one. You don't just put one because you don't know if it's going to grow. So you like put three, and hopefully one of them comes out. And so you're poking all these little seeds down in all these little little cups of dirt, right? When it comes out, when that plant grows up, it doesn't look like what you planted, does it? It's not just a bigger version of that little tiny seed, is it? No. You see, what I'm wanting you to understand is that a seed is nothing more than a seed until it dies. Then it becomes 
a plant that then can produce many seeds. So that one seed can become many seeds if it will but die to itself. It has to take a different form. So as the the new life now breaks free from the seed, you can see in the picture the the little shell that was there. It leaves behind the shell of what once contained it. And you know what? I started looking at this. I started thinking of a beautiful scripture. I shared this in Sunday school this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. See, the first time that God ever asks us to die to ourselves is really when you give your life to Jesus. He's saying we're dying to the old thing. The old thing is going away. You have new life now. Isn't that amazing? Like, seriously, think about like, what the implications, what it really means. Like, Jesus is he's saying, listen, you know, when I come into your life, you, you're born again. You're a new creation, that old self. In fact, why do we go to Jesus to begin with? Because the old self isn't working so good. That old life isn't what, really what we want. We've, we've dabbled in that life long enough. I don't want that life. And he says, listen, come to me. I'll give you new life, new life. And the old one is, is a shell. It's a shell of your former self. It's not who you are. You're the new thing coming out of that shell. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it a beautiful picture that Jesus gives right out of the... Now, can you imagine being the crowd? What? We just wanted to see if we could meet you, and you're talking about a, a, a dead seed here. Now, listen to this. Jesus doesn't stop there. I love how Jesus just keeps barreling right on through. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant must also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. I want you to start thinking about this. He's speaking to the whole crowd, but the people who are gaining the most from this is going to be his disciples because he's about to die. Like right now, everybody's like, Hosanna, Hosanna. This would be a great day to serve Jesus because right now everybody likes him. Right now is the great time because the whole crowd's, everybody's shouting, and they're like, oh, you're one of the disciples. High five. You're awesome. He's awesome. Everybody's awesome. But in a little bit, it's not going to be so awesome. In a little bit, he's going to be put on the cross, and all the disciples are going to run for their lives. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Now, what's amazing is that everything that Jesus said, he, he's so repetitive. Jesus repeats these things. Look at this. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 to his um, disciples when he was sending them out to go share their faith. So this is early on in the ministry of calling his 12 disciples. Jesus said this. He said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, I want you to think about this. If anyone desires to come after me. So if you want to follow Jesus, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Jesus is talking about the cross before the cross ever came out. They didn't understand this. Remember how many, you remember the passage that we underlined that said the disciples didn't understand until he was glorified? They didn't understand this verse until he was hung on a cross. I'm like, oh, 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 so if I really want to be a disciple, I'm going to have to deny me? 
and I'm going to have to pick up my cross now? Did all the disciples die on a cross? No. What he was saying is, listen, this world, he goes, if you're going to be about the kingdom of heaven, it can't be about you. It's about God. So in this world, in my life, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And when I make my life about Jesus, then sometimes I'm going to have to carry a cross. And when you talk about carrying a cross, what he's talking about is in this world, you're going to have trouble. In this world, you're going to have grief. In this world, you may have to bury your child. In this world, you may lose your home. In this world, you may lose your job. In this world, you may lose your money. You may lose your security. You may lose this and you may lose that. In this world, you're going to have some tough stuff. You're going to deny yourself and you're going to pick up that cross and you're going to follow after me. He says, for whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. You see, we live in this world where we want easy believism. We want to say, we want preachers to come in the room and say, all you have to do is say this little prayer. That's all you have to do. That prayer that everybody's trying to get talked into saying isn't even in the Bible. All right? What Jesus is saying is if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. And sometimes it's going to be great and awesome. Sometimes we're going to walk into a city and everybody's going to cheer. And then other times somebody's going to be dying on a cross. You see, we want to follow Jesus when it's easy. We want to follow Jesus when he's making our life all comfortable. I want to follow Jesus if you're giving me something. God, what am I getting out of this? He's saying, listen, this is about eternal life, not now. Everything that Jesus is about is about the life to come, not the life now. That's why he says, do you believe this? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Everything in our faith is not about now. It's about what's to come. So is your life now and the comfort now more important than eternal life? Because that's what he's saying. He's putting it on the line and saying, this world, if you follow me, the world hated me, the world's going to hate you. So what's more important, to be loved by the world now Or to follow Jesus no matter what the cost. He says, whoever desires to save his life is going to lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Then he goes on to say, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You remember how we talked about King Solomon? He was the richest man. He had a, a 700 wives and 300 concubines. He was a pretty popular dude. Okay? He was powerful, he was popular, he was liked, he was beloved by his, his, his nation. Everything, everything that you could possibly want in this life he had, and yet he was still unhappy. He says, what profit, what do you get if you have the whole world, yet you lose your own soul in it? And that's exactly what happened to King Solomon. He says, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? If you ever got to that point... What would you give in your world to get it back? You'd give everything you had and then some. Isn't it amazing how Jesus constantly 
reaffirmed his own teachings over and over. It's not just one place that you find it. Now he goes on and he's saying here in front of the big crowd, Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Remember how he was saying, hey, you know, it's, it's my, out, my hour has come. I'm going to be glorified, right? He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. You see, even Jesus made it all about the Father. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to hear me. I started thinking, what? Jesus, everybody's shouting Hosanna. They're calling you a king. They're singing songs of praise to you right now, and your soul is troubled. What's it troubled about? I want you to keep thinking and keep in mind Jesus is, yes, he's in this moment where everybody's singing Hosanna, but he also knows that he's going to be betrayed by one of his own. He knows that he's going to be arrested, falsely accused. He knows that he's going to be beaten and scourged with a whip. He knows that he's going to be mocked and people are going to make fun of him. He knows that, that his own Peter is going to deny him. He knows that he's going to be hung on a cross and suffer a terrible death. He knows all of this. So yes, if you knew all of those things were coming, wouldn't your soul be troubled? Absolutely it would. And here he says, man, my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me. And what I'm wanting you to understand is he's saying all of this so that when he's on the cross, they can come back to what he said before he was on the cross. What if this wasn't even here? But it's here for a reason. This is telling us. Now, if we all see it all in, in all time, but the disciples, they're sitting here and they're hearing him. They're like, what are you troubled about? Man, this is great. They're calling you a king. You're probably going to get the, the throne here. We're going to raise up a rebellion. We're taking this thing over. And he's saying, my soul's troubled. What are you troubled? They didn't get it. And you know, even when Jesus prayed before he was arrested, in the book of Matthew, he says, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But look at this. This is, this is the prayer that we need to have in our life. Nevertheless, not as I will. He's saying... He knows what's coming. He knows he's, he's in this last hour and he's going to be arrested. He knows what follows this. He knows all of these things are coming. They're all coming. And he, and, he, and he says, Father, is there another way? And I mean, if you think about it, let's be honest. Wouldn't we all be saying, God, is there another way? In fact, anytime trouble happens in our life, anytime we find a storm, don't we usually say, like, God, why am I going through a storm? Instead of saying, God, is it possible to be healed from this? God, is it possible that this storm could pass? God, is it possible that you could, you, could, you could give me this job I need? God, is it possible, but not my will, but yours? We so often think that, that if something bad is happening, it must not be God's will. But it was God's will that Jesus went to the cross. What Jesus said is, should I say, Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came. Jesus knew why he came. 
But even before that moment, is there another way? Is there any way? Is there any other way? There wasn't. We already know how it ended. There wasn't another way. And that's something to understand how much God loves you. God loves you so, Jesus loves you so much. Jesus, God the Father loves you. He sent his son. Jesus loves you so much, he went to the cross. Then here's what's amazing. So Jesus says this, Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven. Now remember, there's a crowd. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. In front of the crowd, can you imagine, you know, some of the crowd saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And I'm coming, I'm, I'm building something here. I'm putting, there's a whole crowd. So a bunch of the crowd had seen Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. A bunch of people in the crowd had seen him heal people. Shriveled up hands coming out straight. Leprosy gone. Blind seeing. Lame walking. They saw it all. They gathered. And now a voice from heaven came out. Woo, come on, right? And it said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Then the crowd that was there heard it, and they said it, 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 it had thundered. Others said, an angel is speaking. And this is what Jesus said. So the people are like, what just happened? Can you imagine? I mean, everybody's singing out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and all of a sudden, a, th- a thundering voice of God. Whew, right? And Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. <laughs> what benefit was it for them? Yet another sign. See, one of the things that I want you to understand is that this isn't a hocus-pocus thing of why we show up to church. This isn't something that we just walk in and say, well, you know, I grew up Baptist, so I'm a Baptist, or I grew up this way, and I'm this way, or I was brought up in church, so I just believe. It's, there's a reason we believe. Because there are sign after sign after sign after sign. There's evidence for what we believe. And he said to them, all of them right there, this voice was for your benefit. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to, to die. Can you imagine that if Jesus didn't just spell it out black and white for us, how troublesome it would be for us? I mean, we're already pretty stubborn and hard-headed and kind of ignorant sometimes. Don't make me sing the Band-Aid stupid song, right? You guys remember that song, right? I did that a couple of weeks. Okay, see? It's a catchy song. We can remember it. Stuck on stupid because stupid stuck on me. All right, so... He's saying that this voice that you heard was for your benefit, right? Now, I want you to catch. He says, now is the time for the judgment. What's being judged? Sin. What's he dying on the cross for sin so that it could be forgiven? But did you catch this? Now the prince of this world will be what? What? I didn't hear you. Oh, come on, you what, 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 I'm going to read it and then you guys finish it. Now the prince of this world will be? Oh, that's terrible. There's like 300 people here. Hold on. Now the prince of this world will be? Then why is he still in your house? Why is he still in our life? You see, what Jesus did is he went to the cross 
to demolish the power of the evil one. He killed the power. He drove them out. We keep inviting him in. When Jesus went to the cross, the devil lost. He already lost. He's not going to lose. He already did. The devil already lost. He already lost. He's been driven out. Now, now, now the prince of this world will be driven out. We give the devil so much authority in our own life. He already lost and we let him win in our lives. Stop it. Or I'll bury you alive in a box. All right, there we go. You guys are on. We're tracking. We're tracking. So he spoke of all these things to show the kind of death that he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that Messiah will remain forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? They're confused. They think that the Messiah was going to be an earthly king that was never going to die. Physical bodies die. Jesus didn't come to set up an earthly kingdom. He set up an eternal kingdom. Everyone who was talking there is dead today. Except for Jesus. So everyone there physically died. That's not the kingdom he set up. He set up the eternal kingdom. And they didn't get it. Their minds couldn't grasp it. Going on, then Jesus said in the next verse, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little longer. They're confused. He's like... So then he goes on to another beautiful illustration. You are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in dark does not know where they are going. One of the things that Jesus, he's, he's connecting so many dots that so many people miss. Over and over and over, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. That's, who, that's what he said. So he said this. Okay? John 9, 5, he said this. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus said to them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. He's letting them know uh, that his death is coming. You're going to have the light just a little bit longer. Walk in it while you got it. So I'm going to read this verse again, but I'm going to add the next part, verse 35 here. We're going to add the back into it. Jesus told them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. Whoever walks in the dark does not know where they are going. Believe in the light while you have the light. What? So that you may become children of light. Come on, right? That sounds good. So he's, he's, he's telling them, I am the light of the world. I am this light. You're going to have it a little bit longer. Walk in it. Believe in it. But you know what? Jesus also talked about this children of light before. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. This is what Jesus says to us. You are the light of the world. Guys, listen to this. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he turns around so that you can be children of light. He's saying, you are the children. You are the light of the world. Isn't it amazing how he says, I am the light of the world, and then he also says that you are the light of the world? This little light of mine, right? 
Come on. Right? Think about this. When you are saved, you have asked Jesus to come into your life. He's the light of the world. So when he comes into my life, now I have the light of the world, which makes me the light of the world. Come on, somebody. Woo, come on. And when he says, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your, heaven, your Father in heaven. Isn't that amazing? What a beautiful picture. The very next verse, when Jesus had finished speaking... Jesus left and he hid himself from them. Even after Jesus performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. When I start thinking about all the prophecies that are in the Bible where Jesus, he, he prophesied how, he prophesied who was going to betray him. He told all of his disciples, the one who dips his bread and he actually gives the bread to Judas. It's like, it's right there. Th this guy is going to betray me. And guess what? He betrayed him. Guys, I'm going to be hung on a cross. Guess what? He was hung on a cross. Hey, I I'm going away, but I'm coming back. And guess what? He came back. Guys, everything that Jesus said, he did everything Jesus. So to me, I'm like, how do we not believe? How do you not believe in the one who did everything he said was going to happen? Do you know how many prophecies are in the Old Testament speaking of Jesus? Hundreds. And he fulfilled everyone. Did you know that they, they, it was a prophecy exactly where he was going to be born? Yep, happened. Prophesied of of. of how much he was going to be sold for. So his betrayer betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Did you know in the Old Testament it actually says how many pieces of silver he was going to be betrayed for? Jesus didn't have power and say, hey guys, um, just to make all this real, would you go betray me for 30 pieces of silver? 30 pieces of silver. It's got to be silver, not gold, silver. 30 pieces. In the Old Testament it even said what that 30 pieces of silver was going to buy. It said in the Old Testament that he was going to be whipped, that he was going to be put on a, a tree, hung on a tree. In the Old Testament, it even said that, um, that he was going to be mocked and ridiculed, that his clothes would be taken off. It even said in the Old Testament that not a bone on his body would be broke. Did you know that when they hung you on a Roman cross, after a little while they broke your knees so that you couldn't breathe anymore, so you couldn't get up? So he was the only one who didn't have his knees broke. Everything that happened to Jesus was foretold. That means it was said before it happened. How in the world do we not believe? How in the world do we not believe? But it happens. See, this is what the devil does. He comes in and he, and he creates confusion and he, he's a great deceiver and he lies to us. Even after Jesus performed so many signs in their presence, they still didn't believe. You have the Old Testament prophecies, and we still don't believe. You've seen signs and wonders yourself. How many of you have seen somebody, <clears throat> you've seen somebody who would seem like a lost cause in their world was turned upside down for Jesus, and they were absolutely changed? 
That man right there changed. He's a walking miracle. How many of you are walking miracles? You were headed to hell and God turned you around? Then you are a sign from heaven for those around you. We've been surrounded by so many signs, then why do we still struggle believing? Jesus had been doing a, a lot of miracles and healings, and there was a man who had a sick daughter. And he comes and he runs to Jesus, and he said, Come, you got to come to my house and you got to heal. You can, you can do this, you can heal. And Jesus starts walking with him before they get to the house. The people come and said, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter's dead. And he looks at Jesus and Jesus just said, just believe. And he says, help me with my unbelief. I want you to bow your heads this morning. Maybe some of us today need to ask God to help us with our unbelief. But let me start here. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me and dies will live. He who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? So I want to ask you today. Have you given your life to Jesus? I'm not talking about have you prayed a prayer in Sunday school or at Baptist camp or at VBS or if you've been baptized. I'm asking you, have you given your life to Jesus? Jesus had said to a lot of people, he made this statement in, the, in, in, in Matthew 7. He said, not everyone who sees me on that day, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Some of you will say, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? And he says, depart from me, for I never knew you. You see, a relationship with Jesus is what salvation is. You know if you have a relationship with Jesus or not. And if you don't know, the answer is no. So my question is, have you given your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered to Him? Jesus, I'm going to deny myself. I'm picking up my cross and I'm following you. So I'm asking you, is there anybody here today? I need to be saved. I need Jesus come into my life. If you would slip your hand up in the air. Maybe some of you have had some doubts in your life. Maybe you need, to, you need to have that prayer like that man did. Jesus, help me with my unbelief. The altar's open. Maybe you need to ask for some help with your faith. Maybe you need to ask God for a sign. Maybe you've been asking God for a sign and you're not seeing the signs that He's given you. 
Because Jesus performed signs and they still didn't believe. Maybe today is a day that you need to die to yourself. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've placed more important than God. Maybe there's some things in your, your world that has become more important than God in your life. And you know if you do. It's not rocket science. We know it. We know it deep in our heart when God is second place. We know we can look at our life and tell pretty easily. Guys, the altar's open. I know that God told me to preach this message, and I know there's some people here today that need it. If God is nudging you for whatever it is that He's nudging you, don't deny Him now.